What's up, Trench Mob? This week will be an exciting week because it's Jiho. And for those who don't know what that means, it's the greatest homecoming on earth at the illustrious North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. Yeah, I said the whole name just so you know it's real. But during this week, you know, you're going to be talking to a lot of people you went to school with, getting to catch up with people. But while you're getting to catch up with them, make sure you tell them about the trenches. Let them know where they can find us. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, The Trenches Podcast. We're also on Twitter, at Trenches Podcast, as well as Facebook, In the Trenches with the Two Lines. So, with that being said, happy Jiho. You are now jumping into the trenches with the two lines, Tuli and Ralph, where we pull back the curtain on what marriage and relationships are really about. So let's start the show. And I didn't tell anyone, but I had decided that it was it was going to be the end. Hey, everybody, it's Ralph. And this is Young Tools. Oh, my gosh. OK. And we back. <laughs> it's like every week is someone different. Yes. It's a new persona. But none of those people do chores. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hello, Trench Mile. Welcome back. Another episode of In the Trenches with the Two Lines. Uh, my wife is an asshole. <laughs> I was telling the truth. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, but before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention our meet and greet that we're doing on the yard. This at weekend. A, at A&T. This weekend. This weekend. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be outside of Smith Hall in the tailgate area. Come holler at us. We're bringing a photo booth. We're going to be getting busy. We're going to have some giveaways. It's going to be a good time. No fish. No fish. Yeah. There'll be people with fish, but we won't have any. No. Um, so don't come with expectations of getting a fish plate from us. Or Tupperware. <laughs> what? What? Why would we get give away Tupperware? No, they may come with their Tupperware. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay, nah. Okay. Don't do that. Um, but also, we wanted to shout out our contributors, uh, Good Wipes. Mm-hmm. Awesome, absolutely the best wipes you could ever find on the planet, as well as Palmer's. You know, because it's fall and you you're know, going to be ashy, right? You know how we do. Yes. No, you it's know, not just us. Well, everybody. Yeah. Skin going to be dry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to Spring Break Watches. Uh, shout out to Kwame and Mo Davis, the co-owners of this wonderful watch company. Um, black owned. Black owned. Holla at us. Um, they have provided us with some watches to give away on Saturday. So just come find us at the tailgate so you can register to win either one of the watches. We have two of them. The Van Story and the Westover. But first, let me tell y'all this story uh, about taking a bus to work. So I take the bus to work because traffic in Atlanta is trash. And I get to work in like 30, 35 minutes. You can't do that in a car ever. So not even when nobody's on the road. <laughs> so so I get on the bus and I'm sitting there and a lot of people are getting on at the stop. And this lady gets on the bus and she goes to sneeze and she turns and sneezes right in the face of the dude next to her. Oh, my God. Yo. My God. My God. My God. Yo. My God. When I tell you. His reaction was the best shit ever. What did he do? <laughs> just and I got to see the whole thing because they were like a seat or two ahead of me. He just turned and he looked at her, mm. 
and you could see the flames coming off of his eyes. And he was like, it's okay. No, it's not. I have napkins. <laughs> like, he yeah. should have had good wipes. That's what he should have. <laughs> Shout out to good wipes again. Jesus. Yo, I was just staring like, oh my God, he's going to fight her. He's going to choke her. Oh, he did nothing but wipe the spit off of his face. First of all, why didn't you cover your mouth? It's, yes. Second of all, I would have gotten off the bus and went home. Yo, like. Because the day is over. I just wanted him to take some disinfectant spray out and spray his entire face. I would have called my boss and said, I'm not coming in because I have Ebola. Yo. And I mean, it was a good one. And you know how I know I have Ebola? Because I can taste it. I was so nervous for him. I was like, oh my God, he might start vomiting and having seizures on the bus. Because who knows what this lady What has. did she say? She was, she apologized like a hundred times. But I don't think there is enough apologies. It couldn't be. Within the first 10 minutes of you sneezing in my face. I would have to give him money. Yo, but it's the stories of or the the life of JT while riding the bus to work. I don't I don't think they got any better than this. This is your first good story. A word? I haven't had any I haven't heard any other ones. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I hate my wife. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> Such an asshole. Uh, you could have just said the first of many. The first of many. Got to be quicker than that. Asshole. <laughs> Man, just tell him about the guests. <laughs> Being very aggressive right now. Very aggressive. So our guest this episode is a Georgia-based author and empowerment coach. She is the head of T-Bow Media Group. She's best known for her loud belly laugh and her love of truth, not lies. As a speaker and consultant, she has spent the last decade providing relationship and spiritual advice to clients, friends, and even groups of teenagers. Since her early days at Howard University. Okay, continue. Oh, okay. okay. Impacting people has been a serious passion for this lipstick chick. In 2018, she was given a death sentence. A major health crisis and a diagnosis rocked her to the core. But it was her experience that enlightened and ignited her. This incredible woman's unique insight ushered her on a new path where she created her hilarious and touching MeCast audio series on Facebook which became the springboard for her newly launched Bold Journeys podcast. Our guest this episode is Artisha T. Bolden. But first, let's get into this money. Hey, Trench Mob, Sharita here with your weekly For the Love of Money tip, communication. When to have the conversation about money when dating in a long-term relationship and marriage. Dating. When you both decide that you want to be in an exclusive relationship, it's very important to talk about each other's goals, money, personalities, and even debt. Starting conversations like this while dating will help avoid feeling like you have to keep financial secrets. Long-term relationships. For those in long-term relationships, you can talk about the next steps for your relationship. Are you planning to get married, for example? If so, what does that look like from a financial standpoint? Will you combine your finances once you're married? As we know, the number one reason for a divorce is finances. Premarital counseling allows you to sort through questions like this, and many married couples often wish they were better prepared. For those who are married and may not have had those important money conversations prior to marriage, it's never too late. It may not be easy to talk about money, but it's one of the most important conversations you two will ever have. Your household is your corporation, and you must know where you stand financially. Do you have a budget in place? There's a difference between paying bills and budgeting. You have to know your numbers. How do you start the conversation? 
A simple walk in the park is a great way to talk about your financial future, especially when you are dating in a long-term relationship and especially for those who are married. Or one of my favorites is getting in the car with no real destination just to talk and enjoy each other while talking about your short and long-term goals is a really great way to reconnect and dream together. What to focus on? Listening is going to be key because that's the most effective way to communicate. Ask each other, where's our money going? Is the way that we're handling our finances aligned with our goals? And if not, what steps can we take today to get into the driver's seat of our finances? Questions on this week's tips? Feel free to reach out to me at SharitaMH on IG. Until next week, as my son Kyle likes to say, pray about it, do the work, then get the money. Now here's the show. So T, let's get into this journey with your husband. So let's just start it from the beginning. How did you meet? And then just take us take us on that ride because um, I can't wait to get to um, when you got sick. But I'm not going to yes. say too much. But let's go ahead and start with the buildup. Okay, so... Okay, so I absolutely love um, how we met because um, um, myself and his best friend slash brother were very good friends at the great Howard University. Shout out HU. You said the great? She did. Okay, the great. Pride, continue. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I like the shade. I like it. Yeah. I'm so glad we're interviewing. Y'all Continue. Continue. <laughs> Um, so, you know, graduation happened, but throughout the whole time I was at Howard, I just kept hearing about, oh, my brother and he won't ever come to homecoming and you should meet him. And he's this great guy and all of this, and all that. So, you know, years passed and I'd actually lost touch with my friend. His name is Raz. So um, Raz and I reconnected in D.C. at a Capitol Hill event that neither one of us knew we would be at mm. and just got back in touch and everything. And soon after I left D.C., I went to work in the mayor's office in L.A. And, you know, Raz would keep up with me and check in with me like a good friend would. And he talked me into coming to Memphis. And I went to uh, Memphis in May, and that is where I met Mr. Bolding for the first time. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. He has this million-dollar smile. But I wasn't, like, checking for him like that. But, I mean, he asked me everything. Like, I was surprised he didn't ask me my Social Security number, like, all in that first meeting. Like, Wow. Um, but, you know, we hung out on Bill Street in Memphis, just had a blast. I was, you know, just trying to let my hair down a little bit, getting out of the L.A. political scene. And, you know, it was clear that he was interested, but perfect gentleman, mm-hmm. like told me that I need to remember my home training because I'm jumping out of the car without letting the man <laughs> open the door for me and all of that. He was kind of like, who raised you? And I'm like, Excuse me. Right. All this judgment. <laughs> So it was it was really lots of fun. Um, you know, we saw like we saw a movie that weekend. Like it was the three of us all weekend. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, didn't think anything. I was just like, this is a cool guy. He never made a move on me or anything. But as soon as I got back to L.A., our friend Raz blowing up my phone to get permission to give Chris my number. And we've been talking ever since. Like it's just been rocking hard the whole time. Wow. And how long has that been? Ten years together, eight years married. Wow. 
So mm-hmm. I guess y'all finally started dating. <laughs> yes, it was pretty soon after that. So like I said, that was in um, May. That was right around the end of May, or, you know, Memorial Day time. And he made his first visit to L.A. in, I want to say, July, mm-hmm. which was a big deal because he absolutely hates flying. But he flew out just to hang with me. Oh, and so, so it was, it really was a big deal. And like I said, always a perfect gentleman. It was, it's been a lot of fun, lots of fun and lots of drama also, but lots of fun. <laughs> so how long did y'all date before he popped the question? We dated a year, then we were engaged a year mm-hmm. and then we were married. So two years in, we were married. So my question is, is how long were you long distance? Cause that's in, where did he live? He's very good. He still lived in Memphis. So it was really good. I was scared and excited because, I mean, long distance doesn't work out all that. You know, y'all started off as long distance, too. Mm -hmm. So that has its own layers. But what I liked is um, we both had a foundation, which was our faith. That was a big deal. We had a common, very close friend. So that was an added kind of layer of security. Mm -hmm. We knew each other were kind of good stocks, if you want to say So we had to build on that. But the good part about it was we talked all the time. Like we're texting and emailing and on the phone, like literally all the time. So we got to know each other really, really well. And um, in those two years, we were long distance the entire time. And we just made it um, our policy that we wouldn't go more than four to five weeks without seeing each other. So it was a lot of traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It gets pricey. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. That ain't ain't (laughs) close at all. It's one thing to be like, we were long distance, but I mean, that's Charlotte and Atlanta. Yeah. That's a three, four hour drive. You talking three, four hour flight. And time difference. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of love, T-Show. Y'all show, that's a lot of love. That's real love right there. I'm telling you. Yes. So um, the what, one part I left out, though, after not too long after the engagement and funny, we were engaged almost a year to the day that we met. Um, and then later on that summer, so that was, like I said, the May time frame. So that year, that August, I actually did come back, um, down South and I came to Georgia, which is where we are now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then y'all finally, um, now during the engagement or did y'all wait to get married to live together? Oh, we definitely waited to get married again. We come from a heavy church background mm-hmm. like both of our parents sets of parents have like positions in the church so shacking was just not an option we right. would have gotten our heads popped <laughs> off so <laughs> so we did that was that was not an option so we we did it the church way and we went across the threshold for the first time as man and wife so living with your husband for the first time ever was that a layer of what do I want to call it? Stress during the first part of the marriage? Tony, that is putting in mildly. <laughs> I was trying. Man, let me tell you, because, you know, you can have someone who is, you know, intellectually on par. The romance mm-hmm. is there, but you are still dealing with a whole other human who has a whole other background and was raised in a whole other house. So you have to deal with that. So. When you're talking about cleanliness, and we know, just keeping it real, guys are wired differently, yeah. and they don't have, you know, the same set of 
I don't want to say priorities, but I kind of do want to yeah, say Yeah, that's the like, word. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. But um, they they function differently and different things bother them, you know, as as opposed to us. Like they can step over stuff in the mm. floor sometimes. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll speak for Mr. Bolding. Well, okay, you can speak for him. It gets me right. him. You are not Just forget any. that I'm even here, guys. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. We're, we're going to be nice. But um, so it was really um, an adjustment. But you know what? I, I always had to kind of, and that's my big thing, staying centered and always having clarity. So I asked lots of questions like, mm-hmm. okay. So, you know, kind of what was your motivation here? What were you thinking? You know, this is how this made me feel kind of thing. Um, so whereas the cleanliness was um, a big challenge on the other side of it, the cooking wasn't. And again, that's just because of how he was raised and his um, his mom. He, oh, God, if she listens to this, what? I don't think she'll really mind me saying that, you know, she kind of put up her pots and pans years back. So, you know, oh, they okay. had to fend for themselves. You know, she like special occasional if, you know, the mood hit her. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, slaving over stove every day. She's like, no, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you know, it was a little bit of balance, but it was definitely an adjustment. Like, wow, this is different. <laughs> so before you got married or maybe even before you met him, not sure when, but I guess when you started to think about marriage and you want to be married, mm-hmm. what was that vision like before you actually got married? So like a lot of women and girls, I had, you know, this fairy tale in my mind, you know, Prince Charming would come sweep me off my feet and everything will be perfect. And we would both have these great jobs and it would just be oh, yes. wonderful. But um, you know, real life is very, very different. So I actually, you know, being in DC and then in LA, two major metropolitan mm-hmm. areas with, you know, a lot of personality, a lot of, you know, arts and culture. So it's just a lot of different things going on personality wise. And even, you know, with lots of transplants there too, dating was really, really rough for me, like really rough. And I was just like, I don't even know if this is going to happen for me. Like, you know, I wanted it, but when I was in LA, like I would cry literally Mm -hmm. to my godfather. Like, I really don't know if this is going to happen for me. And I don't know what that means for my life. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. So. So you just like, you really wanted it, but you like, I don't know if this is going to happen. Right. And, um, and I had to, by now it may sound a little bit cliche, but I always bring that back to, you know, any couples and young people, um, especially that I talk to is that I had to refocus myself on, okay, not just looking for the quote unquote right person, but being the right person. Mm -hmm. So I had to, you know, refocus my energy on me and doing what I needed to do, you know, emotionally, financially and everything. And so I said, you know what, if I want to be someone's wife, then I need to take care of, you know, what a wife needs to be emotionally, mentally, financially and all of that. Okay, good. What did you envision your marriage to be like? Well, I thought that, I mean, I wasn't crazy enough to think that we would never, um, you know, fuss or argue Mm -hmm. or what have you. But I just thought, I mean, just being honest, especially because we talked so much in the beginning and because we had to spend so much time apart, I really thought, I just honestly thought it would be smoother. smoother. I didn't think it would be as bumpy 
as it got. So there was still some uh, fundamental differences in just how we operated emotionally. And that became a huge thing for us. I mean, down through the years. Now give us example, I guess maybe um, one of the things you first noticed. Okay. So like one thing, um, and I really hope this doesn't come off as shallow, but we did realize early on, um, you know, we took the time to take the test and read the book and everything about the love language. So we knew that his love language was quality time and touch whereas uh, mine was gifts and services. And so that, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That can be a disconnect. So um, one big example is um, holiday time. In my family, we always made a big deal and not necessarily like how much money you're spending, but oh, yeah, just, just acknowledging yeah. it and the thought. And I would get like really hurt if he would like, you know, glance over it, not acknowledge and not do anything. And I would kind of beat him up about that because I come from a long line of boisterous and guess what? Single women. Mm. You understand? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I know what that conversation sounds like. I took it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, I would just be like, I can't believe you. You should know. You should know. But um there's no such thing as you should know, really, you know, especially in those early years, you just have to do a lot of talking. And I think I definitely, I don't think I know, I definitely underestimated the amount of talking that you have to still do to remind and communicate, communicate, communicate. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. As I got yes. communicated to yesterday. Tired. Uh-oh, what did you get communicated to? <laughs> Make sure you wash the dishes in the sink and sweep the floor before you go to bed. Yes. Yes. I had a, I did um, it with an attitude, but it got oh, done. Oh, no, I know. I was, I, <laughs> care, I was slamming pans against the sink on purpose. I didn't care. Hope you not, uh, you see. better not be asleep. I didn't care. <laughs> but she didn't care. Nope. Zero, Mm-mm. zero. <laughs> she knew. Mm-hmm. It still didn't care. Mm-mm. But guess what, though? By you doing that, you know what? She felt heard. She mm-hmm. felt honored and respected and loved by you just doing that. You that know that? last one and loved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Acts of service. I understand. That's right. <laughs> yes. yes. Don't very, let me come very important. On the roof. Woo! We gonna get it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. You better change some shingles. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I be on the roof is I'm hanging Christmas lights. <laughs> that too. That's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> Touching those shingles <laughs> or gutters. So, so being married um, now for a while, what had like, when did the vision change? When do you like, when did kind of like, I guess maybe the light bulb, I don't really want to say that, but like, when did mm-hmm. the light bulb come on and be like, okay, I, okay, so I envisioned this wrong. <laughs> yes. And, right. um, I need to have a new vision. <laughs> so like, when did that happen? <laughs> That happened so, like the flawed human I am, I definitely banged my head up against the wall for a while. And it's like, okay, I think I got it. Then it's just like by myself, you know, slipping back into those habits and saying things that are not as loving, you know. So <laughs> definitely y'all are giggling, but yeah. So that, that, that is the laugh of we know. Yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah, relating right. laugh. That's the relating yeah. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you feel me, right? Right. <sighs> Yes. So I would say um, probably, you know, it really had a, a kind of, I want to say fierce ebb and flow. Like it was a lot of up and down mm-hmm. 
probably for that first 18 months to two years, really. I think um, we probably got right around the two-year mark before we both really had a kind of come to Jesus moment, like, okay, we can't keep doing this. Right. Like, you know, it's not going to be peaches and cream every day, but like, you know, we need to do a little bit better with this. So we had a family meeting, just the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just kind of brought to the table, um, you know, what we need, you know, just reminding each other of very basic needs, whether it's the, hey, can you make sure you wash the dishes, especially if I cook or, you know, taking the trash out or, um, you know, different things like that. But um, when we did that, I definitely noticed a change. Like I could definitely say, okay, we turned the corner because our interactions overall were absolutely more loving. It it definitely, it just felt different. The energy mm-hmm. was completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the hurdle. So you mentioned kind of like um, in your bio to us that mm-hmm. um, you hit a hurdle to where you felt that y'all weren't emotionally connected or he wasn't emotionally invested as much as you were. Mm-hmm. And when did that happen? So before you get into that, can you just explain how you got to that? Well, yeah, that's what I was. Oh, that's what I was trying to say. Oh, okay, my bad. But yeah, I just. How did you get to the point where you realized that you were no longer connecting emotionally? So, um, just being honest, finances played a big part of it, and again, upbringing. I just I don't know how else to say it I you know I grew up in the hood like we mm-hmm. always was just like you know you got to make a way you do what you can you know if you have to play a little bit of musical chairs with the bills then hey you just kind of make it happen and what I realized but I didn't quite understand the depth of it is that stressed him out so much and what I also didn't understand is that um was almost like a challenge to his manhood because he didn't feel like he was providing for us as a family and I wanted to kind of gloss over that and just say no come on we got it we can make it happen and you know trying to get on the silver lining part of it but he really just kind of became despondent and you know, that's not a conversation that you want to have every day. So he just kind of went into himself and, you know, didn't talk very much. And then I got to the point where it's just like, okay, I feel like I'm pulling teeth. Like I'm just having to like pull, drag information out of you. And so, you know, we just kind of retreated. We were almost like not like beefing um, at each other's um, throats all the time, but we became really almost like roommates and it was, it was not good. It was not good. So in, in the result of becoming roommates, you know, you had, did you have the conversation as far as what the next steps were? Was it like, we're going to go to counseling or was it like, we need to figure this out together or we need to go separate ways? And all of that, all of the above, all of the above. <laughs> and then the crazy thing about the all of the above is it took so long for us to kind of get on the same page. So um, when I suggested counseling, this might have been, um, I, f- I feel like our kind of financial downturn happened in maybe 2015. So this was like in year four. So we're like in okay. two years first. It's so funny. Um I was working for a small business that went under Shady Villas on a part of the owner 
blah, 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 um, you know, through no fault of my own or his own. And so just kind of having to uh, make do job market not being great. But, um, you know, when I suggested counseling, he, you know, didn't like the idea because from what I gathered after the fact of, you know, talking to someone about personal business, like he just kind of wasn't comfortable with that. And so then, you know, just kind of get sweeped under the rug. And then, you know, maybe a year later, then he suggested counseling. And I was like, no, when I wanted to go to counseling, you yeah, didn't want to go. No. So like mm-hmm. now all of a sudden it's a good idea. No, forget it, whatever. Mm. So, um, and then unfortunately by the time I got to the forget it, no counseling, like I was literally like one foot out of the door. That's I was bad. just like, I need to do something, try to make my own money and do what I need to do because I'm thinking that this is just not going to work With, without not saying that out loud. But having a full conversation with myself like yeah this is this is this is about to be a wrap mm-hmm. this, this is not gonna work yeah been there yeah i mean had a full-on conversation yeah. talking out plan and everything yes and mm-hmm. 18 months into marriage <laughs> <laughs> i was like okay Ooh. i gotta do this yeah. I gotta Ooh, do don't, don't feel bad because you i know y'all know by now you are not alone in that oh, oh yeah. no yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we knew that but that didn't that didn't <laughs> negate how she felt that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day she still was mm-hmm. like, hey, dude. Yeah, so I just need you hey, to work guy. with me. Hey, roommate. <laughs> so. Right. Shit together. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you got to the point where your foot is out the door, you know, you're making all of these moves. And then what happened? Okay. So look, then the craziest thing, God is, whew, God is something I'm telling you, because the craziest thing was, you know, we're under the same roof, but then as fate will have it, we got on opposite work schedules. So I had to start working a night shift, which was super crazy. I've never done that. Really, I'm not joking like my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so but it was, you know, taking care of the house and some. So, you know, I was happy about that part. But we would literally during the week, five days a week, Monday through Friday, we would see each other for about 45 minutes. And during that 45 minutes, like. He was he was tired or, you know, or I was tired. Then on the weekend, let me tell you the shift that I work. So started off having to work 12 hour shifts, 6 p.m. to Ooh. 6 a.m. So Saturday morning, six o'clock. Well, and then a 45 minute commute. OK, so by the time I'm getting home Saturday morning, 7 p.m., by the time I take these freaking work boots off, laying down in the bed like I don't want to talk. I don't want to do nothing. And I went to sleep all day Saturday. Like, I remember waking up, especially wintertime, you know, time change and everything. Waking up and it's dark again. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm waking up Saturday. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) So it got, yeah, it got super, super crazy. And I can, again, you can, you know your mate's energy. You can feel that. And so I'm feeling, you know, frustration from him. And I'm just like, dude, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> again i'm just like whatever you'll be fine you won't die so right. <laughs> you right. and ralph are the same continue <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> but um and and again god knew what he was doing i i don't know you you like you don't want to thank god for trials because you don't want to give get more right <laughs> you like i don't want him but thank you <laughs> But when we were at our lowest point, like, okay, so at this point, wait a minute, I'm skipping over. 
So um, at this point, oh, and I have not told this story uh, publicly. So this is an exclusive, um, <laughs> but I do have Mr. Bolding's permission. But okay. um, I literally had asked him to leave at this point. Um, so I had been on the, I was working at a construction site. I don't know if I said that. Mm-hmm. And I had been on the job, not maybe not quite a year. That timeline is getting kind of um, fuzzy yeah. because this is the, um, the time working up to my um, illness. But this was summer of 2017. Yep, summer 2017. I'd asked him to leave. I'd asked him to leave. And um, again, he and then he had, had been forced out of one job and into another low and pay, lower paying job. So it was just, again, it was all bad. But um, I asked him to leave. He, you know, fussed and all of that. But he did wind up actually leaving. And um, not too long after, by the fall, I was getting sick. And so he had all of a sudden magically, you know, became this grand communicator. And he was just mm-hmm. really trying to not give up on us and really just saying, you know, give it another try or whatever. And I was like, really not trying to hear any of that. Really. I was like, no, we tried. We tried for a good long time. You know, don't, nobody can say we didn't try. We right, yeah. For we didn't do six three years, days you know and say, saying? okay, we're done. So, yeah. Yeah, six years. That I mean, that that is a, a run. That is a That's a, a lot of trying. Yeah, yes. Yes. So, so he's out um, the house. You know. And how long had he been out the house? Before your sickness. Um, so he had been gone. It was just about. So really? that was only crazy enough. I'm sorry, I'm counting the months. It was um five months. And so the craziest thing is this was out of nowhere. Like it might as well have been, you know, me getting hit by a bus. Oh, wow, like okay. out of nowhere, I have these crazy respiratory and cardiac issues. No real family history of this. I've never had asthma, never smoked anything. At this time, I'm only um, 37 years old, you know, going, working up to my 38th birthday. And I think that I'm having, you know, hay fever and then coming down with um, a bad cold. But turns out that was bronchitis, which spun into double pneumonia. Hello. They have that? Yeah, I promise. What is that? (laughs) How do you get double pneumonia? Right. Ask me again. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The craziest thing, like literally both of my lungs were filling with fluid. I could not breathe, y'all. When I tell you, like, okay, yeah, y'all live in Atlanta. So, you know, some uh, Southern homes, they may just have um, two steps to the porch and then, you know, like Mm -hmm. the door, right? And the driveway is right there. So when I'm telling you that walking from my car up those two steps to my door to put the key in, I was exhausted, like oh, completely wow. out of breath. Like wow. I had run around the block. Wow. Yes. And crazy, so that's when crazy. You just knew something was wrong and you went to the doctor or you were just like, oh, I'm tired. See, that's what it was in the October time frame that, you know, it was just kind of like, I think I'm tired. I think, you know, whatever. You need some rest. And so, yeah. And then they were like, oh, you have high blood pressure and all this other stuff. So complete misdiagnosis. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But um, November was the first of four hospitalizations. So like it was crazy. Like Thanksgiving, I was in the hospital. Yes. Then I went to the ER. I thought I was going to be in the hospital for Christmas, which I was so ticked off. But they didn't admit me. They just gave me some medicine. But then, listen, I was back in the hospital January, March and May. Jesus Christ. 
And this is all 2018? This is all 2018, dude. This is crazy. And then March and May are both ICU visits. Like, when I'm telling Mm. you, like, I lost a total of four days. Two days in a coma each time. Wow. Like, waking up with chest pains and, like, the doctor apologizing, but not because he's like, I saved your life. Like, your heart stopped. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay, so, okay. Of course, I have a plethora. I have a thousand (laughs) questions. I just don't know where to start. (laughs) Rapid fire. Here we go. Um, Okay. So, I don't even know where to start. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, so do you go to the hospital conscious? Or when when does a coma happen? Okay. Again, very good question. Ask me. Let me tell you. So... (laughs) Um, so, uh, November, I mean, if you can call it standard besides double pneumonia, which is still ridiculous. Um, I was conscious the whole time. I was conscious the whole time then, but again, being a normal, healthy 30 something, no history, I had no idea of my, um, medical allergies. So found out that I'm allergic to all of the good painkillers, honey. So I couldn't be a drug addict if I tried like morphine, all of that stuff I'm allergic to. So like I was having, which they didn't call this, but I was having a, um, what would you say? A mental episode because of the, um, my reaction to the medicine and uh, Percocet, which, you know, the rappers like to talk about, like I literally cannot have that stuff. And if you Google it, you'll see there are stories of people that kind of like go off the rails. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so it was. Just, it was just so crazy. Like, so got you know, ER unfortunately there for hours. But by the time you get like admitted into your quote unquote room, conscious for all of that. But when you tell someone that you are having chest pains and can't breathe, and they just take they the slow all kind of time. But yeah, they want to. Yeah, they want to pump you full of medicine. And l- let me just put it like this: the security came in, and I had to be sh- both times. Um, well, this Detained? was. She had to be strapped yeah, to the bed. I had to be strapped to the bed. Yes. Yeah. Just, just. Cra- I mean, it's just, in. the story is so crazy. It's almost, you, you wouldn't believe it if I wasn't, you know, sitting here telling you if you didn't know I was a good Christian woman, I wouldn't make it up. It's just, it's outrageous. But through all of this, though, and even though we were pretty much on the outs, and I was like, you know, we're still kind of talking, and he's still talking. Okay, because that was my next one. Like, so when did you call me and tell me, say, hey, I'm in the ICU? <laughs> Uh, you know, and I wouldn't not tell him because he's still and then look, I'm still working a night shift. So he's still working days because he's um, back teaching now because, you know, he's a teacher. by okay. um, And so he's um, you know, he knows that I can, um, which I'm not even supposed to be on the phone, but sneak at the job, you know, on the phone. And so he would text and, you know, email and things like that. And so I would tell him what was going on. And mm-hmm. so when I would go in the hospital, I'll be like. Um, you know, between myself and my mom, we'll keep you updated, but you don't have to, um, you don't have to come. So after I come out of, you know, this drug inducement, you know, I'm looking over to the side and he's right there. Like yeah. he's waking up too. And I'm like, oh man, you're just going to really make me fall back in love. With- <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> I don't want to love yeah. you, but I love you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh wait a minute. I didn't tell you the craziest part. So, um, Going back to November, this was Thanksgiving, which is his birthday. Oh wow! Which, as a kind of peace offering, who paid for that ticket? 
I guess it will probably be him because I think I was still on like beast mode. Mm-hmm. But there was a plane ticket and I was actually going to um, Tennessee, which is where he was teaching at the time. He went, you know, back to his hometown, Memphis. And so I actually had a ticket and was prepared to travel to meet him. But all of that, um, you know, all of that yeah. went belly up. And he did. Him. He drove here all night long to wow. make sure that I was okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. That is something. Oh my I, I forgot my question. Uh <laughs> I am involved in this conversation at the moment. Uh Jesus. So yes. after so did he come down when you were in March and May when you went to ICU? Who took you to the he hospital? He came so my um oh so then with this um so January I was still working because it was still they didn't know until this day they still really don't know they have this dumb thing called idiopathic which idio like idiot meaning we don't know like mm-hmm. literally that's a thing they put in your chart so they um technically don't know what caused everything but um because of this in March I had to the very end of March I had to stop working and then it just like I said it just got really crazy so and because he was uh, working out of state and I definitely couldn't be left um home so, alone yeah. I had to move back in with my mom and so for a while we still had another house because you know we still had a lease so we still yeah. had bills so I'm paying for somewhere that I'm not even living right and you know he's trying to help and so it just got really crazy but um those other hospital visits it would um be my mom or my sister respectively rushing me to the hospital hospital and trying to keep him in the loop Mm -hmm. wow Mm -hmm. so super super crazy you get through recovery so Mm -hmm. how how does this work out with the reconnection how does this work out with you putting the guard down and saying okay you know, let's work on this. Like, how do you mm-hmm. build that trust back? Like, all of these, like, how does this mm-hmm. happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's sort of unreal, surreal, because in May, when it got really, really bad, that was, um, you know, the last time I went into a coma. Like, I was having a crazy episode at home. And then, also, by this time, I'm on a lot of medication. I'm on, I think, maybe, well, I think I'm on maybe just three pills, but um, they actually had to put me on an oxygen concentrator. I had to have oxygen support 24 hours a day. I could not breathe on my own. Yeah, 38 years old at this time. Wow. So, and again, I'm back at mom, so I'm having to have all of this round-the-clock support. Oh, by the way, this is just so much. We're supposed to be talking about relationship. We're talking about medical. Yes. But, like... For 120 days, I couldn't even wear a shoe, like not even a flip What do you mean? I was swollen. My feet were the size of, I don't even know what to say they were the size of, like pillows. Like, yeah, every, it feet. was just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is so terrible, Tuli. But yeah. I'm sorry, my bad. I was just trying to give you a, okay. a comparison. But that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. Yes. And so, I mean, I had to have round the clock support. So, like I said, it was my mom, my sisters, it was my cousin and everything. And then, you know, he would always be um, checking in. And even with that, I still and would always have a love for him. But I still wasn't sure that that was something that I wanted to go back in. Because now I'm like, I have all this medical stuff. Do I want to bring this whole other emotional junk 
on top of it. So, you know, I'm still kind of hurting and not knowing if I'm willing to open that door back up. But so fast forward to May and, you know, all this medication, oxygen, everything. And I got into a really depressed state and I didn't tell anyone, but I had decided that it was, it was going to be the end because I knew that if I, um, you know, adjusted the settings on my oxygen or, you know, turned it mm-hmm. basically off. And if one of the other um, heart medications, if I discontinued that, I knew mm-hmm. that, you know, overnight I would be done. So mm-hmm. I literally planned to just sleep away. Like I said, a prayer like, OK, Lord, this is it. I'll see you soon and, and just be done. And um, he had to have sensed something. And um, it was a planned visit. You know, he was like, I'm going to come check on you, blah, blah. He cleared it with mom. He came, of course, stayed um, at my mom's house with me. And um, he just, I mean, he just pretty much forced me. He's just like, how dare you even think that you could do that? You're better than that. You're not, you know, the whole spill. Yeah. And um, I just, I saw the pain in his eyes to see me in that much pain. Mm -hmm. And it really, it kind of was like a light bulb. Like, okay, you know, this isn't quite the, you know, selfish, despondent guy that I think it is. Like, there is something else there. Oh, good. I'm glad that happened. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, and like I said, you don't want to thank God for the trials. Yeah, it's like, I didn't want to be like, well, yeah, but then. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like, is this what it, he knows, he knows, you know, we don't know, he knows. So not sure if this is what it took, but as time and what have it, that, um, that is what happened. And so then that last time I went in, uh, into the hospital, I was there for 10 days, five days in the ICU, again, Mm -hmm. unconscious completely for two of those days on a respirator, not breathing on my own. And um, he was, you know, in and out and everything because, you know, vacation days and all of that. Yeah. Um, But just really pleading, you know, and wanting to assure me that he was recommitted and that we would start not just a new chapter, but a new book, like a whole new volume. And if I was willing, he was willing. And I said, I said, okay. I said, okay. So did y'all have to, or did y'all decide to go to counseling with this new chapter? You know, we didn't. We okay. didn't. Like, it literally was, it was the it was craziest like thing slate, in the world. It was like a light switch. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And that vulnerable guy that I that I knew he could be, right? That compassionate, loving guy, which he was always kind. He was, I can honestly say I was definitely mean for some periods. And I, he was never mean but um he just oh wait so then the other part is I'm forgetting pieces of this um when like right before no it was right after he was home by then um I'd asked him to leave his me and his mom I told you 45 minute commute like she and I talked my whole commute and I mean I was crying like lord don't let me run off the road I gotta get to work you know Mm -hmm. talking to her and telling her and she like it was totally heart to heart breast to breast she knew everything that I was saying and she shared that she had dealt with some of that in their marriage and so personality wise she was just saying she you know she had been there done that she yeah. knew you know with his father and not bashing him or anything at yeah, all but yeah, yeah. just saying the things that they had to overcome as well and 
I, that that just meant so much to me. It didn't at the time. It wasn't enough to you know turn me around and say, okay, let's really try it again. But um, she was like filling in the blanks before I could even. I didn't even have to speak in full sentences. She was like, oh yeah, I know, I know. And I told him he needs to do X, Y, and Z. I told him he needs to learn how to communicate. And I think again, me being vulnerable and just in so much pain, and him seeing that. It really allowed him to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know mom was pulling for me too. So I know she gave him a good talking to. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what really did it for us. Well, thank God. And, and like you were saying, not to bash his father, but I don't think what well, she was just, I guess, trying to let you know that you're not the only one, that you're not alone and that you can like get through it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And what uh, my message to anyone, I'm talking about dating, engaged, married, brink of divorce, whatever. My advice to anyone is this is true because I have lived it. What you give the attention and the focus to is what will grow. Mm. So if you're the type that you want to run behind and looking in the phone and trying to see who is in his DMs and all of that, you are going to find something. You're going to find something questionable, whether he's actively participating or not. It's going to be something and there's going to be drama. But if you choose to focus on the fact that he's a good provider, he's a good father, he cares about me, he's going to bring me the ice cream, he's going to bring me the french fries, you know, whatever your deal is. Right then that makes all the difference in the world. And it changes your energy and the energy that you give off is the energy that you will get back. That's my advice to anyone. It is real. You better be in here preaching tonight. I'm sorry. That's heavy though. I've been quiet because I've been trying not to cry while you talk. Uh, I am the emotional one in my marriage. Oh yeah, he is though. He is. Uh, Because I'm a cancer. Sue me. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> no, you will cry when you are mean. Yeah, all of the above, whatever. It's <laughs> a mean cry. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm blown away. I and mean, this is a this is what you call seeing it through. This oh is yeah, definitely. It's per- oh, another level yes. of perseverance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've you all went through the drama of being married and not working out to him going away or moving out. You work in nights now in construction. You mm-hmm. work in, uh, he's working daytime. He's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and now he's out of the house and then you get sick. I'm just mm-hmm. like, Lord Jesus, what is happening? I, I just, yes. I'm so like blown away. So I commend you and your husband on, you know, just the, the journey. This is a, this is one for the books right here. This is one that you can talk about forever. Yes. yes. Thank is... you. And thank y'all for having me on. This is our, y'all are fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on because I, you know, our goal is to show people the different faces of marriage because honestly, no one thinks about what you have to go through when you say I do. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody, not everybody, but you know, when you're thinking of, oh, I want to have a baby, you're not thinking in that moment, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean? Like, is my baby going to have disabilities? Is my baby right. going to have, you know, And the same thing with marriage. You want to get married, but you don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know if your spouse is going to have a drug habit. You don't know if your your spouse right. is going to be an alcoholic or beat you or all these things. Yes. Or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You just know that you want to get across that threshold, but that comes with a whole plethora of things that you just don't know and you don't find out until you get into it. And it's, Yes. But it's painted to be this magical thing that is going to just bring everything together. And 
magic does happen, but right, and you have to make your own. You magic, have to honey. make that magic. I mean, you got to put in some spices and some. I mean, you got to put it in it. It just don't what? happen. Put that turmeric yes. in. Yes, you better put that turmeric in there. Yes, what? You put a, better put that all spice. Better get that saffron. That forty dollars yeah. saffron. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like we're not. It's not being communicated at all. Like right. And, and it's really not fair. Like we do young people. I keep saying young people, but you can get married at any age. Yeah. But we do singles a disservice. That's why I tell all my, anybody who will listen, I tell them, listen, hey, it's work. And it's work every day. You literally, I got a t-shirt that says no days off. It's no, <laughs> no days, days off. off. None. Right. There is no PTO in marriage. Oh, no. No. That's correct. I wish I had some PTO days. <laughs> Me too. Four weeks to be exact. <laughs> Not four weeks. <laughs> yes, I need a week and a quarter. <laughs> they will be back in seven days. Love you. Bye. Love you too. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, this is, oh my goodness. But I did have um, a question. So what was the mm-hmm. biggest lesson you've learned in your marriage? Oh my goodness. <laughs> How you going? That is such a loaded question. Like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> um, the biggest lesson. I, it, I don't want to oversimplify it, okay. but if you start with love and end with love, it, it's, it's really an undertaking, but you have to remember that this person that you may not like very much right now in the moment or that you may feel like is not treating you like you deserve to be treated at the beginning and end of the day they love you they decided to do this and build with you so sometimes we just have to refocus on that because a lot of times when we as women have the question in my like why would he do that like he was not thinking but they don't purposely set out to hurt you. They don't purposely set out to disappoint you. So I think the more we remember that when dealing with our mates, I think that, that um, I think that's really majorly helpful. I think that was a big one for us. I like it. I do. So <laughs> now that, you know, got over the sickness, you know, marriage is on the up and up. No, what do you yes. want now out of your marriage? Out of between you and your husband, what are you, what are your goals as a couple? How are you achieving <laughs> happiness with each other? My big thing is um, you know, just not to have the selfish energy, right? I tell everyone, um, you know, in a relationship, take care of each other. Like your job is no longer to take care of yourself. You should be taking care of your mate. Because if I'm giving him 100 and he's giving me 100, everybody's taken care of. It's good. And in that same selfless spirit, what my goal is for us is to do just like what we're doing now is to share with other couples and to help get like, you know, divorce rates down, abuse rates down as much as we can. Like, you know, we're not superheroes right uh but you know as much as we can that's that's what i want for us more than anything well i'm with you on that journey yes so you did mention to us you have a book called the journal for your journey now tell me how that works yes so and it has been a journey have you as you have heard some of these things yes um 
So, um, and it's a trip. Now, this is almost going to make me cry. Like, I have um, a notebook that my aunt said she couldn't even make it, but she sent up to the hospital um, for me Mm -hmm. um, because I kept saying, one of my, you know, kind of altered states, all the medication, but I just kept saying, I'm going to write a book. Like, people have to hear about this. And so uh, my cousin wrote and dated it. Um, you know, that um, I will write a book and my aunt sent the notebook for me to take notes. So um, the journal for your journey was birthed out of this medical crisis because it was absolute, of course, the love of my husband and my family and my church family. Um, but it was my faith that is the reason why I am breathing God's oxygen right. <laughs> independently today. So um, a journal for your journey is a 31 day journal with daily prayers and affirmations. And each day you actually have a journal page where you can date and you can track goals and progress. So it's really good for um, relationships if you want to set goals in your relationships or even I have a few friends who have used it for their weight loss journey. So that is um, that's that's my deal right now. um, I've gotten a few hundred out so far so i'm amen, really pleased amen with that, to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. we'll be getting and one. <laughs> yes please mm-hmm. i would love for you all to have one so um that's been really really good and just oh this is my thing okay i can't get without saying this because what we really speak out loud is what becomes our reality we literally can speak things into existence so that is what is really an important takeaway from the journal for your journey because we have a creative voice we were created by speaking a word so the words that we speak are super super important so that's why i have those daily um, prayers and affirmations in there and um you know my goal is to change lives and i believe i'm doing that yeah i believe you are too Right, because I'm going to use this journal. It's going to be the journal for the journey of Thule's chores. And get his life. (laughs) And get his life. Mm -hmm. Whatever. They're going to help another man who is struggling. Whatever. Divorce papers tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) No. (laughs) Let me know how that works out. Oh, burn. (laughs) Um, So, update on the health. You know. Oh, thankfully thank the lord i actually have to go to the doctor uh tomorrow just for a check i have to have again because it's heart stuff you have to check in um all the time so i um am off the oxygen machine thank the lord yes um i do if you all have ever had a friend or family member who um has um sleep apnea oh, say that again sleep has what don't do that. Sleep, sleep apnea. Oh, I wonder what that is. <laughs> She's saying that because I have sleep apnea and I also have a CPAP. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So um, I have, which they call mine BiPAP. It's um, just a little more high powered. It does the inhale and exhale, which is crazy. Oh, damn. Oh. It could like be a some... whole nother episode. Don't even get into it. But <laughs> so, That sounds like some I good stuff, have... though. <laughs> I'm telling you, I sleep very well at night. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. So um, have that. And um, we are working with the doctor because he knows my goal is to get off of some of this medication, but doing much, much better. Thank y'all for asking. I'm very thankful that I'm doing much better. That is wonderful. That's great. That's wonderful to hear. Mm-hmm. All right. So did you have any last words for our people? Um, the, If I would leave everyone with something, it would just be 
don't give up, especially in your relationships until you have really just exhausted all of the possibility because 99% of the time there is still hope. You just have to look for that glimmer of hope. So that's what I want to say. Yeah. Because that's what helped us. <laughs> that glimmer. Yeah. All the glimmer. <laughs> Turn the flashlight up. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time. Peace. See you tomorrow.